1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We welcome you to our uh, final men's event this year, our Power Lunch here on September 11, 2021. And the message this afternoon is the Elisha secret. Now I'm going to say some things today that I have known for a long, long time, but I've never said publicly. But today I'm going to be more open and I'm going to be more direct than normal because, frankly, there isn't much time left and I want you to live a blessed life. I said there isn't much time left and I want you to live a blessed life. Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. After my mom moved back to Tennessee and had been there a while, she moved on to my last living uncle's farm, which had been my grandfather's farm. And over the course of time, it became apparent that she would no longer be able to live on her own, but would need to be moved to assisted living. And in that process, I got reconnected to my last living uncle. Surprising to me, he and his wife had gotten saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They had become tithers, and they were vitally involved in their church there, in Cleveland, Tennessee. So it wasn't just a family connection, there was a spiritual connection as well. And once or twice a year, we would have lunch with him and his wife, and at one of those lunches, he said to me, Gene, I wish more of your cousins had turned out more like you. It took me back to my dad's wake in October of 1993. My dad's partner at the Ford dealership there in Anderson Township, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, told me how proud he had been and how proud many people there at the dealership had been that I went off to Bible school and had then entered the ministry. That was right after he asked me why my dad hated him. He said he never understood why my dad hated him. And I told him not to worry about it because my dad hated everybody. Well, these two events are the basis are the basis for this message this afternoon because on both of those occasions, they took me back to a conversation I had in the 1990s with Dr. Lester Summerall in our living room two houses ago. One Sunday evening after Dr. Summerall had spoken for us at Cathedral of Praise up at I-30 in the Northfielder Road exit, Sue was in the kitchen preparing snacks and Dr. Summerall leaned across that coffee table and looked deep into my heart with that laser beam focus he had and said to me, you remind me of M.D. Beale. She spoke for me and I spoke for her, and you remind me of her. In fact, she's in you. He said, a part of her lives on in you. And he said, you'll never escape her. Gentlemen, I stand here today to acknowledge that everything that I have and everything that I have done and everything that I have accomplished is the result of my mother looking for a church to get healed in rather than submit to a second surgery 
for the second slip disc that she had in her back. That quest, listening to many, many preachers on the radio and searching for a place to be healed, led her to Bethesda Missionary Temple in Detroit, Michigan, and to the founding pastor there, M.D. Beale, Myrtle Beale. And all that I have, and all that I am, and all that I have done, and all that I have accomplished is because my mother took me to that church. I said, that church. And Dr. Lester Summerall said she was in me and that I would never escape her. Yet over these 38 years, how many people have left Cathedral of Praise or now Faith Christian Center because of some offense that Satan put in front of them? Now, I'm not a typical or normal minister of the gospel. They're out there by the bushel load. I'm not that. I stand simultaneously in the offices of apostle and prophet, and I have the fruit to prove it. My words come to pass. The Lord my God does not let a single anointed word from my lips fall to the ground. And the children of this church who stay with us in spirit are the fruit of this anointing, just like I am the fruit of M.D. Beale's anointing. And yet, how many people have left thinking they'd get a better job in another state or thinking they could attend some other church and have an easier time of it because they would not be expected to tithe? In fact, they wouldn't be expected to do anything at all or thinking they could go to church, another church, and drink beer in the home groups or they could go to another church and uh, hang out at the bar and drink wine with a pastor. On April 18th, Sue and I watched the movie Sully, the story of U.S. Airways Flight 1549, a flight from New York City's LaGuardia Airport to Charlotte, North Carolina, on January 15, 2009. The Airbus A320 was struck by a flock of birds shortly after takeoff and lost all engine power. Captain Chesley Sullenberger, Sully, was a former Navy pilot who safely landed that plane on the Hudson River and did not lose a single soul in doing so. And it became to be known as the miracle on the Hudson. And when watching that movie, I paused it and I told Sue that he had been a Navy pilot and he had trained his whole life for that day, for that exact moment in time. And I told her that when we got to the COVID crisis of 2020, I had spent a lifetime studying, praying, and preparing. So it was just the natural thing for me to do, to walk through it by faith and not look at what the world was saying. In other words, I had trained my whole life for that COVID crisis for that exact moment in time. My point is that crisis times are not good times for the careless and the ill-prepared. God's people want to wait for a crisis, then believe God and pray, and it creates disasters. I said it creates disasters. And how many believers nationwide have had no leadership or poor leadership these 18 months? Many of you heard the message I did for Fred Price at Crenshaw Christian Center at the Fellowship of Inner City Word of Faith Ministries on Wednesday evening, July 29, 2009, 
the money secret of the New Testament. Well, this afternoon, I want to share with you a great secret from the Old Testament, and that is the Elisha secret. In 1 Kings 18, you have Elijah and his showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal. Of course, Baal didn't answer the 450 prophets of Baal, even though they called on him from morning till noon. There was no response. No one answered. So they danced. They shouted all the more. And Elijah, the prophet of God, mocked them and said, Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. And so they shouted all the more. Actually, in the Hebrew, it reads, Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or on the toilet. Maybe he's relieving himself or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted all the more, and they cut themselves until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and then came evening, and still Baal did not answer. 1 Kings 18.29 says, but there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah built an altar, and he poured water on that altar three times. And then he prayed a simple prayer beginning in verse 36. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me. O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then picking up in verse 38, the Bible reads, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Just imagine a preacher today slaughtering 450 prophets of Baal. In the very next chapter, 1 Kings 19, Elijah flees to Horeb because even after doing this great exploit of faith in 1 Kings 18, he is terrified of the king's wife Jezebel. And so he runs. He tells God that he's had enough. He tells God that he's the only one left who truly serves God and he tells God that he wants to die. And there in his despondency and in his dis distress and in his depression, the Lord himself appears to the great man of God, Elijah. And it was there that the great man whined and cried to God, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord himself spoke to Elijah and told him in verse 15, go back the way you came. I would imagine in the days and weeks and months to come, there'll be men from across America watch this message online. And that's what the Lord is saying to you. Go back the way you came. Go back to where you left. Go back to the anointing. Go back to the place that's anointed. Go back to the place where there is an anointed person in the pulpit. Because otherwise, you may not make it in the days to come. So God says to the great man of God, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Elisha 
son of Shaphat, from Abel, Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, we don't know the population of Israel in those days, but I did some rough math. 7,000 people sounds like a lot of people, but it's only about 2% of the population. And it got me to wondering what percent of the United States of America is going to go in the rapture. Because the Lord said in those days, I've got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now, the way Elijah goes about this is fascinating in and of itself, totally the opposite of the way things work today. Picking up in verse 19 of chapter 19. So Elijah went on from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So in other words, Elijah went and found a man who wasn't idle. Elisha wasn't idle. He wasn't looking for a job. He was already busy. He was already productive in life. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Elijah replied, go back. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah. Then he set out to follow Elijah. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. Not his equal, his attendant. Not his peer, his attendant. Then Elisha set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now pay real close attention here because it will change your life. Three things of note here. By throwing his cloak around Elisha, Elijah was letting Elisha know he'd been called to do great things by God. Elijah's attitude was nonchalant. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? And then he, that is Elisha, set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. Not his equal, his attendant. Not his peer, his attendant. Then Elisha set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. See, this generation wants to shoot to the top like a meteor without going through all the steps of hard work to get there. About five years back or so, I was out walking and praying one morning, and I was thanking God for my fathers in the faith, and I was naming them in the order I'd met them and thanking the Lord for them. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Don't you see it? He said, Joel Osteen is right. It is all about love, and it is all about honor. And when Kenneth Hagin was alive, you loved him, and you honored him, and you honored his life, and you honored what he taught. And so you walked in his anointing. But because you love him still, and because you honor him still, you still walk in his anointing. The Lord said, the man's been gone for years, and you still walk in it. My spiritual connection goes back through Dr. Lester Summerall to Howard Carter and Smith Wigglesworth 
My spiritual connection goes back through Dr. T.L. Osborne to E.W. Kenyon and Billy Branham. My spiritual connection goes back through Kenneth Hagin to E.W. Kenyon and Reverend J.A. McMillan, who first received revelation from the Pauline epistles on the authority of the believer. My spiritual connection goes back through Finest Jennings Day and Oral Roberts and John Osteen and Fred Price. And my spiritual connection begins with Myrtle Beale, a Roman Catholic wife and mother who got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and rented an empty storefront in her neighborhood in Detroit, Michigan during the Great Depression to provide a Sunday school for neighborhood children and which grew into one of the very first mega churches in America. And every time I stand up to teach or preach God's word, I bring all of that to the table. I said, every time I stand up to teach or preach God's word, I bring all of that to the table. And yet people change churches so they can drink beer. People change churches so they can not tithe. People change churches because it's too far to drive to Faith Christian Center. My brothers, these are the last days. Have you figured it out? These are the last days. Can't you read the signs? These are the last days. And we need all the spiritual connection we can get. And we need all the anointing we can get. In 2 Kings chapter 2, the apprenticeship of Elisha continues, picking up in verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Still nonchalant. Not begging. You know, not baiting. Not enticing. Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. So Elisha was not his equal. Not his, he was his attendant, not his peer, his attendant. And here is the Elisha's secret. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Picking up in verse 3, the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. See, we're not talking about his equal. We're talking about his attendant. We're not talking about his peer. We're talking about his attendant. And here is the Elisha's secret. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Picking up in verse 5, the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, See, this is a different place. Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to, to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Then Elijah said to him, 
again, nonchalant, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. So we're not talking about his equal. We're talking about his attendant. We're not talking about his peer. We're talking about his attendant. And here is Elisha's secret. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Picking up in verse 7, 50 men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. See, Elijah had the goods. Elijah had signs, wonders, and miracles following him and his ministry. Picking up in verse 9, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha replied, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Not fame like this generation wants, not money like this generation wants, not to be in charge like this generation wants. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. And this is the Elisha's secret. I'm not going to leave you, and I want the same spirit in me that's on you. I'm not going to leave you, and I want the same spirit that's on you to be on me. This is the Elisha's secret. Picking up in verse 10, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. This is the Elisha's secret. In other words, if you stay with me to the end, you can walk in what I walk in. But if you bail, you're on your own to walk in the flesh. If you stay with me to the end, you can walk in what I walk in. But if you bail, then you're on your own to live in the flesh. Picking up in verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And he, that's what it took to separate Elisha from his man Elijah. And Elisha went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. Elisha cried out, my father, my father. This is the Elisha secret. Elisha cried out, my father, my father. Elijah wasn't just some preacher to Elisha. Elijah wasn't one choice or selection out of many possibilities for Elisha. Elijah was his father, his spiritual father. I said Elijah was his father, his spiritual father. The reason so many of God's people, even full gospel people, lead defeated lives is they are spiritually like this generation is culturally. They have no father. All they have ever known is spiritual baby daddies and spiritual baby mamas. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elisha, Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So now the great man is gone. Now the great man is gone. Banished. Never to be seen by the natural eyes of man again 
in that generation. And so what does Elisha do? I said, what does Elisha do? Elisha simply did what he had seen Elijah do. Picking up in verse 13, he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. We think in terms of magic, that there was something about the cloak. If we could find it and put it on eBay, there's no telling what it would bring. It wasn't the cloak. It was Elisha doing what Elijah had done. It was Elisha doing what he had seen his father in the faith do. Elisha had said to Elijah, I'm not going to leave you, and I want the same spirit that's in you and me. I'm not going to leave you, and I want what's on you to be on me. And when he, that is Elisha, struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. This is the Elisha secret. What did Elisha do? Elisha acted like the same spirit that had been on Elijah was now on him. What did Elisha do? He acted like the same spirit that had been on Elijah was now on him. Elisha did what he had seen Elijah do. And this is the Elisha secret. When John Osteen died for quite some time, Joel wore John's shoes to preach in. And Joel drove John's BMW 735 until it was destroyed by a car wash. My point is, he loved and honored his father, his spiritual father, and he loves and honors him still. The, the Elisha secret is love and honor, and this generation knows nothing of it. I said the Elisha secret is love and honor, and this generation knows nothing of it. I was thinking the other day about how one of my roommates at Central Bible College trash-talked my missions professor there, a truly great man who had spent his entire adult life serving God in missions in India. His name was Maynard Ketchum. And I was reflecting on how one of my roommates at Central Bible College lived his whole life and never had much. And the Lord, while I was thinking about this, the Lord reminded me of a Kenneth Hagin message in the series Apostles and Prophets and how the Lord reprimanded Kenneth Hagin for trash-talking another minister who had remarried after his wife had left him. And the Lord said to Kenneth Hagin, Who are you to judge another man's servant? And the Lord said to me on that day, that's why most of the people in that particular full gospel denomination don't have anything. They are constantly talking bad about other people. The slide on the screen is the last point of ministry for that roommate in Bible school, a church he pioneered in Boquilia, Florida, which lasted only a few months before it went under. Now let me ask you a question. How can something that small go under? 
Dad Hagen used to say the anointing comes by association and the anointing comes by environment. Nine minutes and 30 seconds into the fifth message of the 2020 week of increase, I tell the story about giving Kenneth Hagen that first gift, $2,500 on February 25, 1993. I had the date wrong in that message in 2020. I said it was 1997, it was 1993. Sue and I were at a winter Bible seminar. And after the service on a cold February night, we went to have a bite to eat after the service in the hotel restaurant. And we saw John and Dodie Osteen walk by. We saw Aretha Hagen walk by. Then we saw Kenneth Hagen walk by. And we had never been taught this. We had never heard this. We, we had no way of knowing what to do. But Sue looked at me and I looked at her and I said, go ahead. And uh, she wrote out a check to Kenneth and Aretha Hagen for $2,500. Of course, she'd have to bring that up into $2,021. And that was probably the bulk of what we had in that account on that evening. And that is where it began. That's where it began. Love, sure, but honor. Not just love, but honor. I'm not trying to sell anything and I'm not trying to get you to do anything, but I'm telling you the honest to God truth. This generation doesn't know how it works and this is how it works because you become what you honor. You know, my grandkids, two of my grandkids were over there this morning and they're watching, uh, what was that TV show with Tonto? The Lone Ranger, you know, and there's guns. And I said to my wife, I said, how did we grow up watching the Lone Ranger with guns and Elmer Fudd with a shotgun and Mickey Mouse with a shotgun? And, and our generation wasn't violent at all. But this generation that grew up listening to rap music is the most violent generation that's ever come along. See, you become what you honor. And this generation is honoring all the wrong things. Yeah, February 25, 1993. And every time I saw that man, I gave him $1,000. Then I began giving to Fred Price. And I said in that fifth message of the 2020 week of increase, you understand when someone carries the anointing of God, that doesn't change their personality. That the anointing of God is just a download on top of that man or woman's personality. I remember Austin and I were at a Kenneth Hagin meeting somewhere in Florida. I don't remember where it was, and the service was over. We went back to the hotel, and we parked, and we're walking to the front door of this little motel, and somebody rolled right up behind us in a car and honked the horn at us, and I must have jumped five feet and whirled around, and I must not have had a very kind look on my face, and there was Pat Harrison in the driver's seat, Kenneth Hagin's daughter. There was Dad Hagen in the passenger seat laughing, laughing, laughing at the ridiculous reaction he got by honking that, rolling up behind us and honking that horn. I must have jumped and whirled around. And, and you know, he was a large man, so, you know, he's laughing like Santa Claus. I loved him. And I love him still. And I honored him. And I, honored, I honor him still. 
And that's how I got to this place. You know, I tell my family all the time, I should be in prison. I should be divorced. Raised by those two that raised me, I should be locked up. There's no telling where I should be in the natural. But I find myself on this Saturday afternoon in this blessed place. I find myself in the midst of a people that don't even know what sickness is. In the midst of a country losing its mind. Days of heaven. Do you see what was on that check back then in 1993? Days of heaven. Because that's what the man was teaching on. And all these years later, I'm living it. Days of heaven. Days of heaven. Days of heaven upon the earth. You see, I loved him, and I love him still, and I honored him, and I honor him still, and that's how I got to this place. When you love the one who carries the anointing, and you honor the one who carries the anointing, the anointing that's on them comes on you. When you love the one that has the anointing, and you honor the one that has the anointing, the the anointing that's on them comes on you. And this is the Elisha secret. My brothers in Christ... It's all about connections. I never cease to be amazed at how careless people are in their associations and how careless people are in their connections. I never cease to be amazed. People just don't seem to understand how long marriage is. You know, I'm constantly telling the young men of this church, warning them, it's not like the movies. After sex, you have to talk to them. You know, I'm, I'm constantly warning the young men. It's, it's not like the movies, you know, where all this bad stuff happens and there's a happy ending. You cannot afford to be careless in your connections and in your associations. It's all about connections and it's all about love and it's all about honor and it's all about the mouth because the mouth manifests what's in the heart. And get this, while we're talking about my fathers in the faith and all of Obama's eight years, our net worth rose only by 1.5 million. But since Sue and I reread Oral Roberts' book on the miracle of seed faith in October of 2017 and focused once again on making Father God our source and our only source. Since we refocused and focused on Father God like a laser beam as our source and our only source, our net worth has risen by more than $4 million, even though from 2018 to mid-year 2021, we have given more than $2.8 million into the gospel, while giving our children and our grandchildren $1.6 million on top of all of that. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's so amazing, I'm dumbfounded, and I'm a faith guy. My brothers in Christ, it's all about connections. It's all about connections, and it's all about love, and it's all about honor, and it's all about the mouth, honor, or the lack of it, is one reason why men of a certain caliber behave a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way. And this is one reason why some men rise in the ministry 
and why some men rise in blessing and others don't. Love and honor, love and honor, love and honor. It's all about love and honor. In 1 Chronicles 12, verses 16 to 18, it says, Other Benjamites and some men from Judah also came to David in his stronghold. And David went out to meet them and said to them, If you have come to me in peace to help me, I am ready to have you unite with me. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies, when my hands are free from violence, may the God of our fathers see it and judge you. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Amasai, chief of the 30, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are with you, O son of Jesse. Success, success to you and success to those who help you, for your God will help you. And then in verse 22 it says, Day after day men came to help David until he had a great army, a mighty army, like the army of God. And may that be true of us, and may that be true of Faith Christian Center from this day to the end. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.